Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Small Council Radio. On tonight's show, we are going to be talking about the new commanders uh, that were revealed in the Vision in the Flames. We have Jor, Tormund, Jamie, and then we're also going to throw in uh, the Weeper attachment because we missed that uh, card when we were talking about the Free Folk in our other episode, I believe last Tuesday. Uh, or last Tuesday's uh, episode. So, uh, but before we get into that, I want to thank uh, my co-hosts for gonna, being on tonight, which is Chris, Justin, and Craig. Thank you guys for being on. And I also want to start off the show by saying that uh, we're starting a new thing where I am going to be monitoring our Discord, and there is a... Uh, a chat in there where you can post your comments and any questions you have about the show that's going live. Uh, so for example, this one, if you want to jump in there and let's say you can't really call in uh, to, you know, give your two cents, you can just jump on there and, uh, you know, basically do it that way. Uh, for those that have not joined our discord yet, definitely go check that out. Um, I will also post the call-in number in that chat every week uh, or every episode. That way you can find it there if you do want to call in. Uh, And then I also have another announcement. So starting in March, uh, I wanted to kind of give everyone a big heads up. And then if you guys know anyone uh, that will qualify, definitely, you know, spread the word. We're going to be giving away seven uh, card packs of the new CMON card packs when they become available. Uh, We're going to start the giveaway on uh, the 1st of March, and it'll run through all the way through March. Uh, It'll be a longer giveaway, but I just want people to get the chance to see it and submit. And the way you submit... uh, your entries is simply going to our Facebook page and giving it a like. And then also um, for additional entries, if you bought a foil card pack uh, of any faction, you get one additional entry for every single card pack you bought. So if you happen to spend all that money and you bought seven factions worth or more if you wanted duplicates in some cases uh, you'll get one entry for every single one of your card packs so definitely uh, uh, watch out for that post on our Facebook group Um, so definitely if you haven't uh, followed us or liked our page over there definitely go check that out I will be posting the I'll make the post on the 1st of March and it'll run all the way through March and just uh, all you have to do is like the page and then comment in that uh, thread uh, proof of your purchases. And you don't have to show like some receipt or anything, but just a picture with uh, with all of your foil sets that you bought and like a timestamp. So that way I know that it's your picture and not just a picture that was taken from somewhere on the Internet and you'll be entered in. And 
you know, I kind of wanted to, to be a way to give back to the community with having a better chance for those that invested all that money into uh, the foil packs. So uh, definitely check that out. We'll be giving away seven of the uh, of the packs, but um, it won't be like if you win, it will be of your choice. So I just chose the number seven because that's how many faction packs uh, I'm assuming there's going to be. Um, so definitely check that out. But uh, without further ado, I think we can jump right into here, and we're going to start off with Jamie. So with Jamie, he is looking awesome. Jamie has had a lot of different versions and he's one of the original commanders uh, all the way back from the starter set of Stark's First Lannisters. So we're looking at his commander attachment, which now grants Agile. Enemies suffer minus one to hit when attacking this unit. So that is for ranged and melee. And he also is paired up with Counter-Strike. Each time this unit is attacked with uh, a melee attack. For each miss, the attacker suffers one hit. So those pair up amazingly, especially because of uh, most things hitting on fours now from what they've been saying. And, uh, you know, that means things are going to be hitting on fives. So more often than not, they're going to take more damage back. And if you put him in something like... Uh, Lannister Guardsman, that's a 3-up save. And so if you have less than a 3-up save, chances are you're taking more damage. Um, he now has three commander cards that are all reliant on him being alive, but they have shown that they're adding effects of... The, each one has the added effect of start of turn, draw one tactics card. So this would allow you to filter them out either because they're not useful at that moment or because Jamie his, his unit died. Uh, for the first one we have Kingslayer's Renown. When a friendly unit in long range of Jamie Lannister's unit is performing a melee test after resolving dice, the unit passes this test. Next one we have is King Kingslayer's Prowess. When King Jamie Lannister's unit is performing a melee attack before rolling attack dice. This attack rolls its highest attack value, may re-roll any misses, and the defender becomes vulnerable. And then lastly, we have King Kingslayer's Infamy. When an enemy in long range of Jamie Lannister's unit activates, the enemy suffers one panic test if they are equipped with Jamie Lannister or sorry, equipped <laughs> if they are engaged with Jamie Lannister's unit. They also become panicked. On a failure, the enemy also becomes weakened. So I'm gonna start this one off by jumping over to you, Justin. What are you kind of what are you thinking about this uh, reveal? So I think the first thing I would like to say about it is I really like the idea of a commander that his cards really really need him around, and so it incentivizes you to either play safe with him or focus your army around him. And with that being said, it's really nice that they have the secondary effect just in case things go wrong. Um, but it's clearly weaker than the other one. However, it's not, you know, end all be all like, Oh great. I have a useless card in my hand. So you're still 
highly encouraged to keep your commander alive, but you're also not absolutely screwed should he die in the case of a bad situation. Um, all of his cards seem really good. I think for Lannisters, auto-passing a morale test, basically whenever... Like, that, that card is you pass a morale test. I don't even... Like, long range of Jamie Lannister, he's going to be center field. Long range is going to hit almost everybody 90% of the time. So that's not going to be an issue. Um, and it's for a morale test, too, so... Sometimes you're going to use that for other effects as well, which is going to be super nice. Um, Rerolling attack die with the vulnerables, a very powerful melee card. So I think we've also seen a shift from his cards, like his current iterations, what like completely defensive, like all of his cards add some kind of defense. Um, And so now we, we kind of have a little bit of everything, which is kind of nice. Definitely his Commander Attachment's the one that's giving defense, and then he's got, like, kind of one defensive card and then two offensive cards to back it up. I like this change a lot. I think I think he's actually going to be in a position where he's highly desired, hopefully. I mean, I guess we haven't seen the rest, but... Yeah, I think the card to uh, uh, auto-pass within Wong of Jamie's unit is is going to be undervalued at first. But it's not necessarily going to be, um, you know, because panic going down to just D3, I think it's going to be overlooked at first. But it's going to be very useful in those situations where you're being hit by an effect that requires a morale test that has a lot more, you know, a bigger downside to failing than just a panic test of take D3. So I think this will this card will kind of be one of those cards you're hoping to have in your back pocket in in those right moments. So even with panic going to D3, there's still going to be plenty of situations where someone's going to try to finish off a key unit with a panic test because that's either what they have going for them or like their last hope. So I, I mean, this card is more than the other three. I think going to change the position of a lot of games. Still, I mean, vicious is still out there. Panic tests values I'm assuming are going to stay fairly similar with maybe some minor adjustments so you still have a chance of losing three guys and yeah it's not four but three guys is still 25% of a unit that and if you are a Lannister player and you know you're going to be facing other Lannister players because of you know just tournament and uh, just happens to be the case uh, using this card to help yourself against one of those key Lannister supremacies now that it can be a lot nastier of an effect, uh, granted once per round because it's in order now, but um, you know, it minus three minus or plus minus three to the test plus three to the damage uh, means you could be taking upwards of six models off. So mm-hmm. this this will definitely be key for that, something like that. That can be a game-winning decision, too, because that could be the difference between holding an objective or not as attacking. And if you know that you could potentially, you could easily lose six guys on an attack, uh, you probably aren't going to attack. But if you can pass it, then you have now a sudden reason to attack. Yep, especially if it is Jamie's unit itself, because you know that they're not going to want to attack back because mm-hmm. you're going to have that agile and counter strike. Yep. So I think uh I think he's really well balanced now as friendly neighborhood nightly Jamie should be. 
<laughs> yeah, he definitely uh, is way more desirable than he ever has been, in my opinion. Uh, I have tried making him work on a bunch of occasions, and he never was horrible, but he never really stood out, so it kind of deterred me from having the desire to run him uh, all the time. So I am definitely excited to see this version come out. Uh, Craig, what are you you thinking about this uh, reveal? I really like it. Uh, A few things. Uh, Agile is incredibly good. Um, As a Stark player, I try to get uh, their version of Agile into every list I can with uh, Helen Reed and whatnot. Um, It's going to be even better now, like you mentioned, because everything's going to hit on fours. So hitting on fives is really, really going to boost your defensive capability, even if you're not in a defensive unit. Um, And then down to Kingslayer's Infamy, where um, you're playing Jamie. I activate... I'm setting up for a big attack, and you're like, hold on. First, you're going to take a panic test. Oh, no, you lost three guys. You dropped down a rank because you had wounds for whatever reason. Well, now my attack's weakened. Oh, and I have a weakened token on me now. Well, there goes my whole turn. You know, now now, even if I want to attack, it'd be dumb. So the amount of control that card has, the, the defensive capabilities that card has, or if, for whatever reason, for a different ability, you need a, a unit to take and fail a panic t- test or to finish off a unit. Anything that causes free panic tests is insanely good as well. So I really like where this is going. And as a start player, it gives me a lot of hope for Eddard. Um, as he sits right now, I love his cards. I love playing him for fun. But because his cards became useless, I would never dare take him to a tournament. You know, if if he dies. Um, so if if his cards stay similar to how they are now, but they add this draw card or some other secondary effect, that's pretty good. And you'll start seeing him and this Jamie a lot more. And I kind of wish all cards had a secondary effect, especially drawing an extra card. Won't happen, but it would be nice. Yeah, so I, really I think like that. I think that uh, is nice to see that, you know, he has that added effect. I'm pretty positive that is meaning we're going to be seeing that on every card that requires the commander to be alive for it to trigger, uh, which is amazing because, you know, like you were talking about with Eddard, you know, I believe all of his cards require him to be on the field, or I think two of them require him to be alive, and one of them is only half useful if he's... I'm I'm positive if his cards remain along those lines that he's also going to have uh, the... All of his cards are going to have the effect to uh, draw another card to help with that. And not only does it help with that scenario, but it just it helps with filtering out your hand for free, basically. Um, I mean, in a lot of cases, I'm assuming the cards are going to be strong, so they're not going to have a lot of, you know, it's not going to be one of those obvious, I'm just always going to discard it and draw a card. Uh, but it's nice to have the option. Chris, what are you kind of thinking? I know you absolutely love your Lannisters. You know, I really do. 
And even though I'm not going to use this guy because I won't play <laughs> Lannisters, I will agree with what y'all are saying. I think this guy is a nice upgrade to what he was. For those people that actually like to use cards when they play, I think the ability on these cards that you can just use it, you know, situationally, whether the main effect is something you want or if you'd rather just have the card. I think that's a nice dual ability you can use. So I'm happy with his upgrade. I personally will not be using him. That's a shame. Shame, uh, shame, no. shame. If anything, I'd use the mountain, <laughs> which I can't wait to see that guy's upgraded card. That's got to be cool. But I digress. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I definitely like... Uh, that they revealed Jamie and uh, I think it was probably the uh, Lannister commander to reveal out of every option they could have given. The next uh, close uh, one would be High Sparrow just because of the no NCU commanders. So it'd be interesting to see what his field commander would be doing. But Jamie has needed a really great commander since the beginning of the game and he in my opinion finally has one uh he has slowly gotten better uh in my opinion every rendition of him that came after was just slightly better uh but always kind of missed the mark just barely uh if you guys have not listened to the on the table gaming podcast with michael chanel and uh and Chase, and I think Fabio's on there. So definitely go check that out uh, if you have not. They kind of explain on there that Jamie kind of tried to do a little uh, too many things, and it kind of took away from his overall, like what what he was meant to be. And so he really just kind of didn't mesh well. So definitely go check out that show. Uh, I highly recommend it. It's nice compact and you'll be able to get like all the info and i think like i think it's like a 25 minute episode so um but yeah i think uh i think jamie is going to see a lot of play uh king slayer's infamy test and if engaged they become panicked if they fail they come a weekend face value uh this card doesn't seem very good but i think it's be- uh it's really its strength lies in pairing it with Jamie's unit uh, because of the Agile and Counter-Strike, kind of like you were mentioning, uh, Craig. So I think all of these cards at face value don't seem that impressive, but I think it's because uh, it's one of those that you're going to have to kind of play Jamie and experience the situations and where these cards are going to just be really good. Um, and really focusing around Jamie, I think is just kind of lends to Jamie himself. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see how he kind of shapes out and what, uh, everything else that gets revealed for the Lannisters and can kind of pair with him. Uh, next up we can jump over to Jorah Mormont. So I want to say out of, uh, all the reveals again, I think Jorah was, a great reveal for the Night's Watch. Um, in my opinion, his attachment version 
uh, like his abilities is a little weaker, like his uh, commander attachment compared to uh, the current 1.6 version, just barely. Um, I still think he is amazing as he is uh, revealed. Uh, I think where he really boosts is his tactics cards. So Jorah Mormont now has Dauntless. Each time you pass morale test, they he gets a or his unit will restore one wound, and he also has Embolden, which Embolden is now uh, upgraded to be include the unit that he is in, uh, kind of like uh, Renly uh, Baratheon, because before it didn't affect its own unit, only the other units that was in short. But it's all friendlies uh, within short range gain plus one to the morale test. So they were talking about how Night's Watch morale is going to be just kind of better all around. Uh, and with the Sworn Brothers reveal, I think it was the Sworn Brothers. Let me just double check that there. Um, with their reveal, uh, yeah, hang on. Let me check. I want to make sure that's the correct thing. Okay, yep. Uh, Swarm Brothers, yeah, they were the ones who revealed with the faction, and they have a 5-up morale, and 5-up is really good. I mean, obviously 4-up is better, but 5-up is in that range that you're really not going to see yourself fail that often without a modifier, uh, a negative modifier. And him and a unit of Sworn Brothers making them a 4-up. And if you have, let's say, two other Sworn Brothers, not that I'm really advocating for running three Sworn Brothers, uh, as long as they stay within short, you now have three really strong units all at 4-up morale. Uh, even with Lannister Supremacy giving that minus 3, you're still now at an average 7-up morale. Uh, so I think he is going to be uh, amazing in protecting yourself against any sort of panic faction. So if you know that your local is going to have a lot of Boltons and Lannisters, I think uh, one of your two lists, including Jorah, I think will be kind of essential. Uh, his first card is, and now my watch begins. When a friendly Night's Watch combat unit activates, this unit performs one morale test on a success, choose one. Search your tactics deck for any one tactics card and add it to your hand. Then discard one card and shuffle your tactics deck. Or the other option is search your tactics deck or discard pile for any one tactics card that can be attached to this unit and attach it to this unit. Shuffle your tactics deck. Next is live and die at my post. When a friendly unit passes a morale test, all enemies engaged with that unit become vulnerable. If the targeted a if it, this targeted a nice watch unit, attach this card to that unit until the end of the game. While attached, this unit cannot lose its last remaining wound from a failing. Uh, and if you do fail, you can you can still take damage from a panic test. You just can't lose your last wound. So let's say you're at three wounds and you fail your panic. You, and you lose uh, three, you would just lose two and go, uh, go down to one wound. Uh, and then lastly, has Night Gathers at the start of any turn. 
Target one friendly engaged Night's Watch unit. That unit performs one morale test on a success. Attach this card to them until the end of the game. While attached, each time an enemy is performing a melee attack on this unit before rolling attack dice, the attacker suffers one hit for each remaining rank in this unit. So, uh, with that said, Craig, what do you what are you thinking of this guy? Sorry, I started talking, didn't realize I had it muted. Okay, so a couple <laughs> things. I love effects that boost morale. Absolutely love them. Um, that's why Tully's my favorite commander in the game. But um, what I don't like is things that force me to roll extra dice. Um, these cards are all insanely good, I think. Uh, their effects are incredibly powerful. But I don't like to have to roll dice to see if I can use them or not. Um, I, I understand their effects being as strong as they are. That balances them. So I, I do appreciate that. I just don't like having to roll extra dice because it's one less thing I control. One more, one more thing left up to chance. Um, but uh, Night Gathers, wow. That's, that's amazing. I'm willing to attack you, but before I attack you, I'm going to take hits and maybe lose a rank. Or if I only have a couple of wounds left, maybe lose the unit just for attacking you. You know, that's kind of Lannister-esque right there, although done in a different way. But, uh, yeah, I I like it. I just don't like rolling the extra dice. Yeah, it it's kind of goes hand in hand. I think it's, it's not so bad as it normally is, because uh, I definitely know what you mean, because there definitely are other commanders that will make you, like, take tests or do something to trigger their effects. I think it's not as bad uh, just because... Night's Watch getting that overall boost in morale throughout the army, and then Jorah just um, Jor uh, boosting it on top of that, because I believe they're all uh, two of them are dependent on just passing a morale test. I think. Let's see, one is just when you activate. Um, yeah, two of them require a morale test. Well, one requires a morale test, and the other one is after you pass that test. So, uh, so I definitely agree. It's it's always kind of uh, a risk, but I think uh, because of everything factored, the risk is fairly low. So, um, but I have to agree with the morale part. I absolutely love morale commanders as well. I like knowing that I can run great morale lists and then run a commander to kind of fill up where maybe the morale is a little weaker. Uh, that's why like my main list is a bunch of berserkers, but then I'll run the great axes with uh blackfish commander to bump them up to the same morale as a berserker, uh, just to kind of keep the theme going. Um, and then in, in my opinion, embolden is better than, uh, um, the plus two morale from uh, what's that ability? Stalwart. Yeah, stalwart. Um, yeah, and Bolton's amazing, especially the new version of it. Yeah, because in a lot of cases, a lot of units only need like a plus one to their morale. The plus two is just really good, but the plus one I think is just 
way more universally useful. What about you, Chris? What are you thinking of this guy? This guy, to me, seems pretty good. Like you guys have been saying, the Dauntless and Emboldened together looks pretty awesome. If I played Night's Watch, of course. (laughs) At least the Lannisters. Amen to that. And like I said, he's probably one of my favorite guys I've painted. So at some point, I want to put him on the table. And this might just give me the uh, the bump I need to throw him out there. Then, you know, a lot of these cards, anytime you can reduce the chance of things and get more, not, like nothing's guaranteed, but more likely to happen, which is what some of these cards are doing, that's always a plus. So overall, I'm really digging this guy. And maybe I'll try Night's Watch because of him. Yeah, and I was going to say, you know, I know you like to kind of play the factions that aren't really being played at, you know, kind of where we play at. And uh, other than I think my nephew, I don't know if anyone's really playing Night's Watch anymore. So maybe uh, it's about time to crack out the the Night's Watch. Well, they all are painted, so that might be a reality. (laughs) Now wait until the day that you finish all your Lannisters, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm working on it. <laughs> Says the person who's had them since, you know, the Kickstarter. <laughs> I'll get to them. Yeah, I'll get to them eventually. What about you, Justin? Uh, so I'm going to do what Brett does, and I'm going to be the devil's advocate, but not because I want a devil's advocate, because I don't actually fully agree i do think his cards are fine i think his current cards aren't like the greatest and that's what like usually is the deciding factor um i will completely agree that embolden uh is better than just stalwart because theoretically you could be affecting four or five units so then you're netting plus five morale across the board instead of plus two and that's kind of like the way i look at things um just efficiency i suppose dauntless probably going to come in handy um i i think that depends on how similar night's watch stays for their healing if they don't change or whatever because it might not be necessary because of how much they already heal um but it's fine i think his attachment is great and i'm super happy about it i don't think night gathers is all that powerful personally i know you guys are like what But if Night's Watch is already going up to a really good morale, and if you're sitting on the board with, like, multiple four-up morales, how often is Night Gathers actually going to matter, like, statistically? Yeah, it'll be very clutch when it does matter, but how often will it matter? And it's only going to be affecting maximum two units a game. So that's that's one thing I I don't think is super great. Um, and now my watch begins. I think that's a pretty regular kind of a night's watch kind of card. Basically, I, w- I think I would be choosing the second bullet point. Go find something to attach to my unit, just a free attach card after you pass a morale test or you perform a morale test. And then live and die at my post uh, could be really good depending on what you're doing. Um, especially like if that one I think is probably the best. I don't know what vets have they actually sh- no they haven't shown vets right they've only uh alluded yep, to the fact those. that they're getting a complete rework okay well that might change it but I know like currently could you imagine like 
end of the game, you got your vets just holding down. And like my experience, I have to gang up with multiple units to take down vets, especially if they have Jon Snow. Obviously, they won't have Jon Snow commander in this. But um, could you imagine just three free vulnerable tokens out there when you inevitably inevitably pass your awesome morale test and heal? And just boom, everyone's vulnerable. Woo! Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I was doing the wrong one. Um, live and die at my post. The the second part of that can't lose its remaining last remaining wound from panic test is what I meant by I don't think it's super strong. I think night gathers is just okay. Three hits could be elementary or it could be really good. It really just depends. Like there's a lot of luck involved in that. You have a three up save unit. You're probably not going to take anything substantial. Sorry, I, I mixed those up a bit. <laughs> Okay, that makes more sense. I'm sitting here thinking, I was like, what? Yeah, <laughs> I was like, like, Night Gathers is going to come and, like, it's going to be triggering a lot, I'll give you for sure. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. you're thinking, you're looking, it's at the second it's part basically, of Live and Die at My Post. It's basically just as strong as Counterattack, and by that, I only, I, like, I uh, yeah, because you're, you know, counterattack. I guess it depends what you're combining counterattack with. Like, if you have agile, if you're weakening or something, I guess yeah. counterattack is going to be much more useful. But night gather is just being some extra. Uh, I don't know if it. I don't know if it's considered a vow or whatever, but you know, it attaches and it just is an ability that stays on your unit for the rest of the game. Where, you know, especially if you can get it on them while they still have three units or three uh, ranks to bounce three hits back constantly. And then if you run, assuming it's still the same, if you run Amon and then uh, combined with maybe like Dauntless, just keep healing the unit back up. I think it could be quite annoying. On top of the amazing attack that Night's Watch are probably going to have. So not only are you taking damage when you attack them, but you're also just going to get punched in the face and destroyed re- immediately afterwards. Oh, yeah. Or, like or even, whatever the case. Even just based on the Sworn Brothers reveal, uh, adding Jorah to that unit, so a seven-point unit since it's a free commander, and then Unite gathers onto that unit. Uh, I mean, you could be looking at a ton of you know damage no matter what you do. Because you can't just sit there, but then again, if you start attacking it, you know, they're going to be, you're almost, you're probably not going to budge them on their morale because they're going to be a four up. They're only going to then heal one wound every time you attack, and then you're taking hits back. I think it's it's going to be a, a lose-lose scenario with a lot of units. You know, there's you're going to have to dedicate certain units to dealing with that unit. Yeah, totally. Even in the... Uh, Sorry, go ahead. Even in a vacuum, taking three hits it isn't a lot. But I, I'm speaking for myself here, but I'm sure you guys have experienced plenty of games where it's come down to whether or not you can remove the last wound on this yeah. unit or that unit. So every hit adds up, and especially if you can get that ability off a couple times a game even, that could be the difference right there. Yeah, I think that card is going to be fine. I think that's a perfectly okay card. I don't think it's too much, and I... Because you can pick and choose when you want to attack as the opponent as well. Like, if your unit's really hurting and you just need to buy time, you just skip your turn while engaged, let them attack you and finish you off. You don't need to kill yourself. Or if you have plenty of wounds left, you're like, okay, I can, I can hopefully chip some wounds off. So it's definitely 
a really powerful card, but also not not something that the opponent's going to be like, this game is awful because this card is ruining everything. Uh, one important thing to note on this card that I sort of overlooked is before attack dice are rolled. This is before you've even counted your rank. So yeah. if you and lose a rank from it, you are now attacking at a weaker value. So I'd say overall, without factoring like Agile and Weakened Tokens, this is just as good as Agile. Or sorry, would, not Agile, Counter-Strike. I would think on average, yeah. So I would I would almost even say, you know, run Jora, Jora in um, Skirmishers. You know, now you have a Skirmisher unit with a 6-up morale. You have Agile and um, uh, Counter-Strike. Uh, and then yeah. if you can Night Gathers onto them, I mean, it's going to be, you know, one of those units that you're just not going to want to uh, deal with. That's actually a really good point because Skirmishers are definitely way more defensive than they look, as, as we talked about. They're key, like, chink in their armor besides being a six of save but you're really not you're hoping not to take a lot of damage from attacks but panic is something that's actually going to hurt them a lot so night gathers then gets a lot of value and then even think of it this way because i know what is it start of any turn target one friendly engaged night swatch unit they perform one melee test or melee <laughs> one morale test so you're thinking oh man on a six up do i want to waste night gathers by trying it on a six-up morale, whereas my other units are going to be probably better. Well, you can then combine it with, and now my watch begins, and then go search for it and immediately attach it before you even get into combat. So now, right from the get-go, they're going to be taking three hits, and then minus one to hit, and counter-strike. Here's a question, though. So it says... Uh, attached to a Night's Watch unit, and his commander doesn't give any keywords out. Does that count if it's in a Night's Watch army as a Night's Watch unit? Let's see. I think you might actually be right. Let's see. Target one friendly engaged Night's Watch unit. That unit performs from one... Oh, yeah, you are definitely correct that... Uh, so but... I think that's really important, though, uh, because one thing we've seen in the past, and obviously I like to harp on neutrals, but one thing we've seen in the past is neutral units tend to get really like hamstrung because they're too good in certain combinations with other armies. So maybe this is a interesting way that they're trying to prevent that from happening as often. So I'm actually looking at the wording, and I think it might be a loophole, and I'm, I'm Assuming with the way Night Gathers is worded that this is not intended. But uh, because if you play Night Gathers from your hand as an actual card, then yes, you would not be able to attach it to Skirmishers. But, and now my watch begins says simply search your tactics or discard pile for one tactics card that can be um, attached to this unit and attach it uh, to this unit. What's the tactics uh... deck? What's the and trigger then, on that card, though, Dave? Um, when a friendly Night's Watch combat unit activates. Let's see. The unit performs one. Says, so it has oh, to be yep. a Night's Watch combat yep. unit. So it seems like they're being pretty thorough about this, which is really that's good. good. Yep, that's good to see. I definitely like the fact that, you know, it's 
their wording is definitely, you know, it's they said that it would get cleaned up and that it's That's a lot consistent. of yeah, consistency and I think uh with a lot of these reveals, they've really been proving that um uh but yeah, so it looks like that combo would not work uh, for anyone listening. I apologize for that little rant of awesomeness that was uh, a big dud. But I think uh, it was a really important thing to say, though, because that got us talking and looking at that fact, and that's that's really interesting. Yep. So it will be uh, definitely uh, interesting to see what other units come out what other combo like what other night's watch units come out to see what the combos with Jorah is going to be um and it is nice to see that night's watch is going towards the same route as Greyjoys of wanting you to have night's watch units rather than neutrals um while still being allowed to have neutrals so i think and i think that's about thematic as you can probably get it is you allow neutrals to help them out at times, but if you want their buffs and all that, you know, you're going to have to put it on your nice watch stuff. Um, we can jump over to, where did he go? We're going to, before we discuss our last commander, we're going to jump over to the weeper, which we forgot to talk about uh, with our free folk, um, coverage of the new Free Folk stuff. So the Weeper is a two-point attachment. He is going to give Vicious to the unit he's in, and then also the Order Grizzly example. Start of any turn, this unit suffers one wound, target all enemies in short range, and they become panicked. I think that is an easy two-point attachment, and <laughs> it makes a lot of other things that give out panic, you know, look like nothing. I know, like, you know, one panic at long range definitely gives you a bigger bubble and is a lot more, like, support because you can kind of hang back. But, I don't know, you could – this is the start of every turn. If you if you run this guy up next to, like, three infantry units and pop this order and panic all three of them, and then do it every round after that. Like, <laughs> you could get so much value out of this guy. But at the what same you... time, and this is a uh, sorry to step in. Um, at the same time, it it once again is like a good balance because you could get a bunch of panic tokens out, or you could go up there and get slaughtered because yeah. you have to get really close to a lot of units to get real value. So it's that. And Michael Chanel, I think, talks about this a lot, right? Like risk versus reward. And like you definitely have a fair amount of risk, but you have a ton of reward. So you want to do it. And free folk aren't known for their defensive nature. Um, like, what are you going to put them in thens, which are defensive enough, I'll granted, but still not a super defensive unit. Yeah, I think uh, the better place for him would be uh, because he's giving vicious. You wouldn't want to put him with the bone lord or the followers of bone. Uh, I think a great place for him will be Savages. Even though they have a 6-up save, that 4-up morale, assuming everything stays relatively the same for them, uh, will still make them fairly defensive, at least defensive enough that you're not going to have to worry about throwing him into the fray and then just the unit being deleted, especially with things getting a bit weaker. Uh, And then now your Savages naturally have Vicious, 
because I don't think they have it right now. I think you have to choose it as an option. Um, but then now you're throwing out all these panics and maybe even, uh, Chris, what do you think of this idea? You know, you run him and some savages and then you run a bunch of followers of bone to back them up to, uh, really take advantage of those panic tokens. You know me, I'm always a big fan of throwing followers of bone anywhere. Yep. And this guy is going to be awesome. I can't wait to this guy. I'll even throw this dude in Raiders and say, screw it. I'll just camp him in the middle. Just start <laughs> chiseling off Raiders off of him just to throw panics everywhere. I think there's a fair amount of value in that too, actually, because then someone's going to have to stop what they're doing to kill a Raider unit if they want to stop this from happening, which may not be the best decision when you're outnumbered. Yeah, and, look at that. I had a good idea. <laughs> I not very often, but... And with the minus one to the attachment costs, I mean, I know it would be the same either way, but uh, it'll be a five-point unit, which is, you know, not a lot. You know, it's it's just five points. You know, you're adding a little... You're adding vicious to your raiders. Um, your raiders aren't significant, so even if they do end up going after this guy, you know, that might not have a lot of incentive if you have a bunch of followers of bone that are going to give up victory points. They might just deal with these, taking these panic to, uh, tokens and would rather focus on your other stuff. So I think Raiders would be a great place to put them as well. I also yeah. like the fact that he is close combat. I don't know, uh, maybe you can comment on this, Justin, um, but before he was throw, or he basically was a an order version of a panic token within long. So you really just wanted to sit him back and do his panic stuff. But uh, from my experience, but now it looks like he wants to actually get in the fight. Is that more along the lines of his character? Do you think? I mean, the dude's wielding a scythe and his name's <laughs> the weeper. Like, yeah, he's, he's definitely. So yeah, he's he's a terror to the Night's Watch, not because he throws rocks and spears at him, but because he, he disembowels them and is cruel and mean and scary. Uh, so, so lore-wise, yeah, it totally, totally makes sense for him to get up in the fray. It doesn't make sense for him to be in trappers throwing rocks at people. <laughs> oh, what is scary about, rocks? What about you, Craig? Did you have anything to add for the Weeper? You guys covered it really well. Um, I have to say my mouth dropped open a little bit when I read him. There are so many amazing applications for him, but like I said, you guys covered them all. So. Oh, I'm sorry, Craig. I got worked up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, me too. It's okay. Were you sitting there talking to yourself about it? <laughs> yes, I was. I was. And then, then, you, then you said it. So I was really using you like a ventriloquist doll is what was going on. Well, I have been likened to such. <laughs> All right. So, last up, we have uh, we have the last uh, commander on our list, which is Tormund, Giant's Bane. So, for those that did not listen to a different on the table uh, podcast, uh, Michael Chanel basically gave Chase one uh, option to pick a commander to be revealed and. Before even really thinking about it, Chase uh, blurted out Tormund Giant's Bane, <laughs> which is typical of Chase, and I can't blame him. He was super excited. Uh, but that is why we have him as one of the three. Um, and I would have to say I'm, I have mixed feelings about him. 
I love Tormund. He is, as far as the character himself, he is my favorite Free Folk character uh, from the show. And, but I would have to say with how little he really changed overall between both his attachment and his cards is why I'm not like super excited to see him revealed. So, um, I don't know. It's kind of a bittersweet, uh, reveal, but he now has, uh, the order overrun, which is when this unit surges forth, Instead of surging forth, this unit performs one charge action. Furious charge. Enemies successfully charged by this unit become vulnerable. His first card is Rush of Aggression. When a friendly unit performs a charge action before rolling charge distance dice, this unit automatically counts as rolling uh, a six on the charge distance dice, and their melee attacks gain critical blow. After this attack has been completed, unless the attacker uh, attacker is Tormund, the uh, the attacker becomes vulnerable. Counter assault: After an enemy completes a melee attack, target one friendly combat unit. Other than the defender, they be they perform one attack or charge action on the attacker. If this targets Tormund's unit, they may reroll any attack and charge distance dice for this attack. And lastly, he has Devastating Impact. When a friendly unit is performing a charge action before rolling charge distance dice, enemies successfully charged by this unit become panicked and vulnerable. This unit's Tormund's unit. The unit may reroll any charge distance dice. So one thing I want to note on uh, really quickly, being a Stark player, is Devastating Impact. Um, I wonder if Starks still have it, and if they do, I'm sure it's very similar to this. I'm sure it at least has the first effect, which is the Panic and Vulnerable. But uh, I'm curious, I'm sure it's obviously different for the second effect, because obviously you're not going to have uh, Tormund in there, but it's... It, is probably going to be based on, I don't know, maybe the maneuver zone, if it's a generic card, or if they move it over to a commander, it probably is just uh, based on the commander himself. So I just wanted to point that part out. Um, and I think I, it's definitely weaker, in my opinion, than the current Devastating Impact, but with everything kind of getting toned down, uh, I do like the change. I do like the you know, adding tokens in there rather than straight up dice. Um, Cause as we know, adding dice just leads to the potential of, you know, one shotting a unit or hitting them so hard that they're, you know, they can't really recover from it. And they're essentially just, you know, living on borrowed time before they get finished off. Um, but other than that, uh, Chris, I know you're our, Free folk player, what are you thinking of him? Well, I've always had a soft spot for this guy, so I do dig this. I like, well, he's a very offensive-minded guy, which so am I. So I've, I've always loved Overrun because you know, anytime you clean up somebody, then go right into battle with another one. Excellent, Furious Charge, always good. Uh, rush of Aggression, more offense. Six of her charge. Love it. Counter assault right up my alley. 
throwing another attack or charge on there. I'll take it. And like you said, Dave, you beat me to the punch. Devastating impact. I really like the old version. But, you know, like you said, they're toning stuff down a little bit, so it's not just offensive fury, which makes me a little bit sad. But I understand the change. So I don't like it, but it fits with what's what they're trying to do here. So I'll take it for now. What about you, Craig? What are you thinking of Mr. Torment? Oh, I definitely felt I definitely felt a devastating impact to my morale when I saw that change. <laughs> that that card is gold. That uh, the original version has saved my butt in a couple of tournaments. But uh, need a six, got a six. But well, it is what it is, I suppose. Um, the rest of these cards, though, are amazing. Um, something to point out, maybe it's already been talked about on the show, but. Overrun loses a free pivot, which is a mixed bag. Um, it sucks because I like Overrun, and that free pivot is so useful, but I almost feel like it was a bit OP um, because there wasn't a way you could counter it other than don't die, which is easier said than done sometimes. And you're going to so, die. Something's going to die eventually <laughs> if the game exactly. is being played right. <laughs> So I, I do like that that change to overrun. It makes it harder to pull off. It's not as OP, but it can still be just effective. So, But when you combine, when you have counter assault and overrun with the same commander, I mean, that's multiple ways to get free charges off, which as a start player, I know that is insanely good, insanely useful. So I really like the direction they're taking with him. And, yeah, I'm I'm actually excited about seeing what he can do on the table. So one thing I want to point about uh, out about uh, Overrun is that you are correct that you don't get a free pivot before the actual charge action. But just remember that as long as you can see them, even a fraction of the base, the charge action itself will give you a pivot. Uh, so there is some flexibility in there. Uh, it just nowhere near as much as it used to be, especially if like you charged something that was much further like a little further back than the rest of their their line is but if you charge something that's a little further up than the rest of their their army there's a good chance that you're still going to be able to see something after you kill that unit um what about you justin so from the opposite mindset someone who has had a play against starks and deal with it um Devastating impact before always drove me nuts because <laughs> at some point, like the opposing player needs to have some kind of chance against something. Uh, so devastating impact not being an auto six and instead being reroll, like chances are you're going to get where you're going 90% of the time at this point anyways. Uh, but there's still a slight chance that, you could end up failing, which would obviously suck using a card and still not getting what you need. Um, but the odds are really low, but it's not just guaranteed. You're not just getting a six with berserkers from across the map and one-shotting a very key unit through a bog. Because, you know, why not? <laughs> um, yeah. Like, like ignoring a terrain effect like that would be very, was quite often and still is, I guess, very aggravating. Uh, I like Tormund a lot as a character. Um, I, I, I think he's probably like one of the most 
stick to his theme kind of commanders that they've done in this game. Like he's all about just charging. Like every single thing has the every card of his has the word charge in it at some point. Um <laughs> to include his commander card. So I mean his commander card has it twice. He's got two abilities that affect charges. One thing I would like to see and this is just speculation for the future, but I really want to see like a unit of Tormund Sons for him, like a unique unit that he can bring that's just all about just charging and just making him better. Because right now, who are you going to put him in? Plenty of good choices. None of them make any sense in the lore. <laughs> like yeah. Raiders are the only ones that would make sense, and I really hope you don't put him in Raiders. I mean, he'll do fine, but they're not optimal, obviously. Well, he would actually be horrible, because remember, they have the minus yeah, one the minus point one, yeah. now. So now, literally, you're you're almost like you have no incentive to ever run your commander in Raiders because of that. Um, but I, so one it, thing I want... It makes no sense. It'd be hilarious to put him in Raiders just for thematic reasons. Yeah. One thing I wanted to point out that you kind of mentioned, um, so with the change to the keywords for terrain, the nice thing is that even if, let's say you're running, even though Devastating Impact isn't doing anymore, but Rush of Aggression giving you that auto six, and then anything else that might also give you an auto six, the new terrain now will still trigger uh, because it it doesn't matter if you roll it disorderly. It, uh, you know, if you touch that piece, at any point, even when aligning, you get no rerolls. So I think that's a, a nice perk of the change to terrain. Yeah, it's super important because, I mean, this game is totally about positioning. You use bogs and walls and stuff as deterrence, or this is what's going to win me this battle matchup. And before, just going right through it and ignoring it, like, ha-ha, you suck. But now, now it's definitely great. I like all of his cards. They haven't changed tremendously, but he's got two ways to, to get free charges off, which is pretty awesome. I mean, you definitely can't complain with that. And I think in Free Folk, uh, it's manageable. I think in some armies, as we've seen, like especially with the meta being the way it's been in the past, uh, certain things getting armies, I should say, getting tons of free charges can get out of hand. And while Free Folk definitely has some pretty swingy boys, looking at you, Bone Boys, uh, out of all the armies, they generally have the weaker of the units, so it's slightly more manageable in them than it is others. Yeah, that's one thing I wanted to bring up, is that he had... All three cards uh, are awesome, and I like all of them a lot. Uh, His commander card would normally be really really good but i think because he's very limited on the potential of the unit he's being put in uh, i have never been able to trigger overrun uh in my testing so far with him um on i mean granted i guess that's limited to two games but <laughs> It's just one of those things that I can never seem to trigger overrun because the units aren't killy enough. And then if I'm not getting the charge off, the Furious Charge is not granting me anything. So whereas these abilities on practically any other commander in a different faction would be insanely good, 
I think they're just okay on Torment in a Free Folk uh, faction. And maybe that's why they gave it to him, uh, gave both those abilities to him, because, you know, they factored in the potential of the units he could go in, knowing that, you know, the uh even like their best unit rolling with their max dice and failing a max panic test is still not going to kill a unit meaning you're not going to be able to one shot anything on a perfect roll and then immediately overrun into something else and then kill another unit on a perfect roll granted i know currently uh doing that is a lot easier than it's probably going to be uh, in the new rendition of the game, or I don't know what you'd want to call it, like the next, uh, not edition, but version. Um, so we'll see how it goes. Uh, I am definitely way more excited to use him now than I was with his older version. His older version, because of the way the cards kind of worked, I kind of just used him when I wanted to run a bunch of giants just for some extra healing and whatnot. But, uh, but yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see uh, how it plays out. Uh, did you guys have anything to add uh, for him or anything else that we kind of talked about that maybe thought about uh, um, after the fact? I need all this new stuff to drop because I really want to play it like all the time. That's that's all I gotta say. I'm tired, <laughs> I'm tired of waiting. Give me it all. Um, one last um, thing to point out. Sorry, I was just gonna one mention that. Uh, so, it's um, what you're saying, uh, Justin, about uh, um, wanting everything to drop. Yeah. So I've been testing just with whatever comes out as it comes out, and I know that's not the best thing to do because uh, testing things as they come out you don't have the full picture but uh, me and uh, a couple friends decided you know it's it's uh, it'll help with the transition rather than seeing everything drop all at once and then just kind of uh, you know going from there we fear like the little incremental changes we change uh, throughout this process, especially with not being able to get a lot of games in um, with everything going on and, you know, things being kind of restricted a bit. So we just figure by the time things open back up and everything like kind of drops, you know, it'll be way easier of a transition. So we've already been playing with like the max five card hand size and the D3 um, panic. um, And we've factored the, we factored in that, you know, it kind of skews some things because it's not like, for example, Lannisters or uh, Boltons, you know, really relying on panic and we're reducing panic damage. So we kind of factor that, but it's just one of those uh, kind of personal decisions to uh, to try to, you know, everything out that we could to just kind of see how it uh, feels maybe in a vacuum rather than on the grand scale. But sorry, Craig, what were you going to say? Oh, last thing on Tormund. Um, we didn't really talk about Rush of Aggression. And the reason I want to bring it up, and I think it's interesting, is because uh, we talked about Devastating Impact and how it looks like they're getting rid of that free free auto six on charges, um, to, you know, to, to limit the killing ability and give you a chance to fail. 
but they also give him another card that does exactly that. But then you also brought up a good point that they're giving might be giving them extra abilities due to how weak some of the combat units are for the free folk. But I just thought it was interesting. They nerfed, well, I shouldn't say nerfed. They changed Devastating Impact and then threw in a card that's almost identical to the old Devastating Impact into his same hand. I did think about that as we said it, and it is a really good point to to, to shout out. I was going to say to point out, but then I would have said point to point out, and that's stupid. <laughs> but uh, um, Dave did bring up something that is kind of directly tied to that, and that's the terrain. Even if you get an auto six for the hindering or whatever it's called now, uh, still takes away rerolls. So there is you can get an auto six all day, but if you position your units, you know, correctly and you have that, that buffer terrain piece between you, it still negates a lot of the, the impact of an auto six from across the board. So that could be really nice. You can plan on it better. And another thing with, you know, kind of, uh, taking away the auto six from devastating impact, but then also just putting it on a different card, allowed Tormund to have the best of both worlds while limiting any other faction that's possibly going to have devastating impact because an auto six and devastating impact with its like reduced effects on free folk, you know, free folk are almost always going to naturally just hit a little, just not as hard because, you know, of their horde uh, play style and not to say that, None of their units are going to be strong or kind of tough on the offensive, but combined with things hitting uh, uh, on fours or whatnot, and I'm assuming free folk are probably going to get a brunt of that if a lot of the weaker units, like if a lot of five and six point units are going down to four up to hit, I'm assuming that most of free folk is going to be that way. They might have like one unit that's going to hit on threes. So while hitting on fours, probably less dice on top of the fact they already kind of had less dice. I think uh, seeing some of these effects are because they're not going to be as game changing as, uh, as they would be in another faction. Um, I think with that said, did you guys have anything else uh, that we didn't maybe cover? No, sir. <laughs> All right. Um, so with that said, guys, uh, it was a bit of a shorter episode. Um, though there was not a ton to go over this time around. Um, definitely check back at on our next episode, which will be this coming Sunday uh, at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time, where we are going to be discussing the state of NCUs in the new version. I don't know. Is, does it have a name yet? I forget. 1.7? Okay. So, yes, uh, the state of NCUs in 1.7. So, with the fact that uh, they say that NCUs are going to range from four to six points now. Uh, so I'm assuming that implies no more three-point NCUs. Uh, or sorry, uh, no more three. Yeah, no more three-point NCUs. And then also no more NCU commanders. That means at minimum you're spending uh, 
you know, assuming you're running at least two NCUs, you're running at minimum of eight points in NCUs or more. So we're definitely going to be discussing that uh, this Sunday. So definitely go check that out. I want to also reiterate the um, giveaway that we're going to be doing uh, start of March, uh, March 1st. I'm going to make a post on our small council radio Facebook group where you can post uh, in the comments on that. Uh, you can comment on uh, that post and just send a picture of any foil card sets that you had bought. Uh, for every card set you can prove that you bought uh, with a timestamp on the picture, uh, you will get entered in uh, one time per set. And then liking the page will also give you another uh, entry. So even if you didn't buy any foil sets, you could still enter, but uh, unfortunately you only will be able to get one entry into it. Um, it was this giveaway is designed to kind of help out the you know people who invested a ton of money in the cards uh, the foil card sets because um, you know I kind of feel for you guys I understand you know it, it is a little crappy of a situation and uh, I just I figured we'll try to help out any way we can uh, with the you know burden of that cost um, to have to then purchase some more card packs. Uh, I mean, I was almost in that very same boat. Um, I was uh, kind of late to the party of wanting to buy some foil sets uh, with uh, Meta Class going on. I had to kind of wait to purchase them. And then by the time I was kind of ready is when uh, all this stuff started uh, getting announced. So um, so I definitely understand, uh, you know, I was almost there as well. So definitely go check, spread the word. I definitely want, uh, you know, anyone who bought the foil sets to know about this. And that's kind of why I'm waiting until March to do the giveaway. Not only that, but uh, they say that the 1.7 isn't going to drop until quarter two anyways. So the if it ends, if we uh, end the giveaway and draw the names at the end of March, uh, it shouldn't be too much longer before you know they uh, they drop the the actual packs. But like I said before, uh, we will be giving away seven sets of them. But anyone who wins can pick any set they want, any faction. Um, I'm only I picked the number seven just because there is seven factions uh, worth of packs, assuming Greyjoys aren't getting a pack. Um, so yeah, spread the word. Uh, remember to like and share our page. Follow us on all the different pages. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, uh, and I think we're actually on a couple others. Uh, so, And I will be listing those off, I think, on our main Facebook page. You'll be able to find uh, like a list of, our, of all of our uh, contacts or all of our links. Um, so definitely go check that out. You can also find us on Blog Talk Radio. That is where we do this uh, show through. Uh, we do it live every other Tuesday. So this obviously today and then two weeks from now, Tuesday, will be our next Tuesday show at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time live. Um, and if you can't make the live show, you can go to any of the um, uh, other sites that I just uh, mentioned to listen to the recording. Uh, and then we also do every other Sunday 
at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time, um, starting with coming Sunday and then every other Sunday after that. So I know it's a little bit of a, a wonky schedule, um, but uh, just to kind of accommodate uh, more of the hosts' uh, availability, we wanted to kind of split up the days rather than just making it always on Tuesday um, while still having essentially one show every week. So. Uh, thank you guys all for listening in. Thank you again to my co-hosts for being on tonight. It was awesome that uh, we could kind of get together and discuss these changes. I can't wait to see what else CMON has for us. I'm sure that uh, with the rate at which they're dropping all these uh, spoilers that there's going to be way more down the pipeline, at least I hope, because, you know, everything so far has seemed to be for the better and not only that but it just it really kind of breathes uh some fresh air into you know list building and just kind of tinkering around with ideas of commanders and just all the different things you can kind of do so again thank you guys so much for tuning in this is the small council radio and it is dismissed <laughs>